This is Sally Marufat reporting for Stew Monkey Radio Live News. I am here at the High Court in Basildon. And rumour has it that the judge will be about to be giving a final verdict on the trial. Now, we have been here for several weeks hearing about uh, things that the accused has watched, played, listened to. There have been a number of witnesses providing silly voices and skits. And hopefully we will get the the justice that everyone deserves. And uh, I, I believe we're going over to the judge now. You stand accused of being a queer and pleasant stranger. How do you plead? Guilty. Aye then, that's it. Let's get this podcast started. Justice has been served. Strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale, and I'm not Jane Harris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies talk about what we've been up to during our weeks and have a bit of a catch up and do silly voices and skits. We do that. Hiya! How are you doing this week, Jane? <laughs> Exhaust. This is always the answer we have. Ex- exhausted and too many ideas and too little time to execute those ideas. Indeed. I, I understand the too many ideas, not enough time problem. Today, my entire work day was... Can I do this idea? Can I do this idea? Can I do this idea? And not actually doing any ideas, but just asking if I could do ideas. Pitch, 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 pitch. I pitched, pitch, I pitched, pitch, pitch. I pitched books, I pitched articles, I pitched everything today. Goodness. And and did the, the, the batter manage to hit any of them back at you? <laughs> uh, not yet, but I am hopeful. Hey. Uh, so, shall we start with the section of the podcast we always tend to start with? Things we have played Things with. Things we have played? What have you played this week? Oh, well, I got to have a look at that Final Fantasy VII remake yeah. demo. Yeah, how much of it did, did you play the whole thing? I played the whole demo. Uh, how long did it take you? Uh, about an hour or so. Okay, okay, tell it's us. not a lot there. Tell us about your experience. An hour's not a bad amount for a demo. Uh, no, but some outlets have had three-hour demos. Well, longer. Um, yeah, that's, that's the difference between here is the demo that you as the public can play versus here is the behind-the-doors the pressy one. <laughs> How did you get on with the hour that you were allowed to play? Um, it's 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 pretty. Yeah? Uh, I, I'm not... I, I'm struggling a little bit with the, the, the combat. Yeah? I feel like the, um... The switch to a sort of more actiony oriented one, and mm. I think it's just going to take a while to settle in because yeah. I was like, uh, I I could go with classic mode, yeah. which apparently is sort of set to easy. But it's... I was like, you know what, I'm gonna just gonna try it on normal and see how I do with that. I feel like it, like the original Final Fantasy VII. I feel like I haven't really got the combat yet. Yeah, see, I quite enjoy the combat system they've got here. So for anyone who's unaware, the original Final Fantasy VII. Turn-based RPG through and through. You pick your options from a menu. Active time battle. Yeah. Here it's kind of a mix of partially real-time, partially menu-based. You do your blocking, dodging, basic hits or basic gunfire with, you know, with with your buttons. And then you fill up a meter and then every now and then you can basically pause the gameplay to open your like turn-based menu system to do your special attacks. Do some spells, change like what style of combat you're doing, maybe do a special move. Basically you do real-time combat in order to earn doing your big, powerful, you know, special attacks. Yeah. And see, I quite I quite like the system, but I've I've always been a fan of 
combination real-time turn-based combat systems. I, I really like Xenoblade's combat, which is very, like, be, be moving around in real-time, but here's abilities you can use every now and then. I think the, the reason I'm struggling with it more than I did with Xenoblade mm. is the fact that in Xenoblade it auto-attacked constantly. Yeah. See, I think what helps for me is I played quite a lot of Final Fantasy XV, mm-hmm. which was entirely a real-time uh, combat system in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. And this is basically, do the Final Fantasy XV thing, and then you get your Final Fantasy VII back every now and then. <laughs> Just a little Final Fantasy VII. That's a treat. But, like, I... I... It definitely takes a little wrapping your head around, but like I, the more time I've spent with this combat system, the more I'm like, you know what, I quite like this. Mm. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling about this as a reimagining of that thing you have nostalgia for? Um, I I want to play more of it before I can really make a decision. That's <laughs> which totally I suppose fair. is a good thing. Yeah, I it it nothing in it so far is totally gone. Oh no, this isn't my Final Fantasy. Oh no, sorry, these I, aren't my I, versions I, I of the characters. I don't want to be that person, uh, and I haven't had any reason to. Like, I know there's going to be changes. Yeah, things are going to be sort of different here and there. I hear that there are like extra materials and stuff. Yeah, so that's the it's, whole thing I'm going to have to work through. It's not going to be one for one the same game, but no, like, I don't want it to be. Yeah. Everything I've seen of this, honestly, like, I, having played, like, little bits here and there in events, and having today played a bit of the, um, that demo, it, it definitely feels like, um, it feels like a very smart modernising of something mm. that people hold very dear to themselves. It's like, I, I know a lot of people who go, oh, no, 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 I, I want you to just give me an HD version of the thing I like, and it's like... Eh. I mean, I wouldn't mind that either, but... Yes, but, like... I, I feel like We're not getting that. I so feel like a lot this. of people who ask for that would probably not love it as much as they think they would in reality because there's a lot of things about that game that have aged not amazingly. Just the time everything takes. Yeah, like I like that everything in this feels like it has a much better pace, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, I will say I still feel like the camera is at times too close in to the back of the characters. It could do with just being like a foot or two away real world from like just a foot back for further back from the character yeah i can i can see that a L- little bit more space to see around your peripheries yeah. but it's it's pretty it's interesting i like the fact that there's boxes to smash and things yeah. to find i like the voice acting like, the voice acting is pretty good the voice acting in english is like oh, yeah yeah these these feel like the characters mm-hmm. as i know them yeah and they've definitely not watered down the uh the planet is dying, we need to do something drastic about it. I don't care if we inconvenience people. Oh, Barrett is quite a character. Oh, Bar- Barrett <laughs> is full-on eco-warrior. The I can hear the planet screaming out to me and I have to do something. And I'm like, we... I mean, in 2020, I'm glad they've not toned that down. We, ne- we need more Barretts in the world right now. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that when I was playing. It was like, hmm, <laughs> still relevant, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is when this got announced. Um, this was a conversation, I think I had it with Jim and Gavin on Podquisition, where we were like, I really hope that this th- those elements of the plot stay intact, because a lot of people forget quite how... The world is dying because of corporate greed. We need to stop this. I don't know. That sounds like SJW bullshit that was never in my Final Fantasy Yeah, my Final Fantasy VII was about Sephiroth and his cool sword. Yeah, because having like a black leather jacket and a 
long sword isn't isn't edgy and 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 and, and cringe. No. Mm. <laughs> mm. Like I'm I'm real I'm real excited to see this Final Fantasy VII. Like I'm yeah. still I'm real fucking curious. Like how how long the wait's gonna be for more of it? Well, I mean. The, this, the thing I'm hearing is like they're reckon, reckoning five years for the second part. Uh, I, I've heard people speculate that. I, I, I suspect that's probably hyperbole. I don't think it's going to be that long. I'm, I'm hoping maybe two years would be nice to see because I think, I think the thing with with Square Enix is they like to reinvent their engines and their mechanics completely from the ground up every time they make a new game, and it's a thing that fucking delays them all the time. But they now have, here is the engine and the mechanics and how the characters work and the combat system functions. We just need to make a shit bunch of, of high-detailed environments. Yep. And I, I hope that this sells well enough they can just fucking hire an, an infinite mountain of people to keep going. Plus. Yeah. But, like, I... And I'm curious as well, like, considering... That it's not DLC or an add-on; it's a separate boxed game. Like, how will they deal with moving your stats and equipment and levels and over into the second game? I mean, I assume that's fairly easy. Like, with just, yeah, like, like saves. I assume that you'll be able to import your save, but like, will there be options for like, d could you just jump into the second bit? And it's like, ah, here's a pre-built character that's probably fine, which feels weird in a JRPG. Yes. As, there's a lot that I'm like, I'm curious how they're going to handle the nitty gritty. Because, like, uh, it got announced that a certain character who shows up right near the end of Midgar in the uh, original game uh, is not going to be playable in part one of the remake. Four-legged. Oh, is that still in Midgar? Uh, yeah, not long before oh, the end yeah, of Midgar. Oh, yeah, because the, 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 the tower thing, isn't it? Yes, so... Yes. Apparently not going to be playable in this bit of the remake, but but will be probably a playable character in the next part. There's like there's a lot of like there's going to be some weirdness about the fact this has been chopped up. But I mean, I'm I'm still excited. Um, I'm excited. I don't know if I can justify getting it at full price. I, I will probably here's, be here's, willing to wait. I I we will have you getting it for okay. okay. <laughs> I will probably get it for work. We will have it in the house on launch day if you would like to have a weekend where we sit and play Final Fantasy VII together. Do, do you want to spend a weekend playing Final Fantasy VII together? Maybe a couple of weekends. Okay. Mwah. I will make sure we have it in the house when it, uh, on, on or before launch day so that we can do a big Final Fantasy. <laughs> Yay! I, I will wait and I will, I will make sure I play it with you. <laughs> um... Yeah, shall I talk about? Tell thing? us about the thing that yeah. you are excited what, for. What I played and have played. Um, I have mainly been like, I played one. Uh, okay, I've mainly been finishing off stuff this week that like I was nearly done with last week. Mm -hmm. So I finished Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk. Um, I I thought that the ending of that game was like nicely written. It left some interesting teases that definitely suggest hey give this a second playthrough because we dropped this cliffhanger at the end and some things will probably be seen in a different light now you know this thing mm. um and some additional bonus content it seems on a second playthrough um some of the ends of various people's plot threads were really rewarding 
Mm. Um, in particular, the plot thread about the werewolf who's looking for a sort of herbal remedy for turning uh, to try and keep them calm on their werewolf rage nights. Mm. Like that that werewolf had a really nice rewarding story. I liked the story about the hive mind that was trying to fuck Superman into existence. Um yeah, that that was a whole thing. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were they were uh, they had a really nice plot about just like kind of changing what they were aiming to do and it was quite sweet. Yeah. Um my main disappointment with that game is that the big the big consistent plot thread, the character who shows up pretty much every night without fail, this this writer who's working on their book that seemed like maybe that plot line was going to be some kind of meta commentary on the game we were playing. There was nothing interesting about how that plot ended. It was Oh, I got, I, I got, I got fired from my day job. They caught me writing my book, but I finished the book on time, and I got my publishing deal, and now everything's gonna be great, and it's gonna be fun. And I wrote my book, and my book was great, and and uh, I'm a good, uh, I succeeded as a writer. But they're not gonna see the first royalties from that book for like yes, six this to is eight the, months. This is the whole thing. <laughs> like she never addresses the fact that like it. You have a 15,000 word draft of what is going to be a 50 to 80,000 word long book. You have to finish writing that book. It's going to be six to, te- uh, 6 to 12 months after that before it releases. And then if you've missed the cutoff for your first royalty period, it's going to be another six months before you get paid. <laughs> Assuming it sells... Um, like, they're not going to give you enough of an advance to cover 18 months. Inside book writing. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just looking at it like, this... Um, it's great that you've got a publishing deal, but this does not fix your immediate short-term problem of having no job. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to write the book full-time for a while, and I'm like... Wow. I, I mean, <laughs> you you clearly have some savings if you can afford to do that. I mean, I wish I could just, you know, get sacked from work and go like, it's fine, I'm going to do creative projects, and that will yeah. pay me somehow. And, and it just... it. it it Thanks, didn't, capitalism. The, the sort of suggestion that maybe it was going to be a meta commentary on the game's narrative itself never went anywhere. Like the whole, um, uh, maybe you want to be really fucking careful about that, uh, making sure you do that in a sensitive way, just never gets addressed again. Mm. But like overall, I had a really fun time with it. I loved the, I I loved the sort of headspace it put me in, and it was just a really nice chill time. But again, it's not going to be for everyone. It's very light on gameplay, but. Most of the gameplay, I, I think the gameplay definitely stepped up in the last like three to four hours. Um, the drinks you were making for people had a much more significant um, impact on how scenes played out. Mm-hmm. Like, you started getting into situations where like it, there was a hint dropped at one point that like, hey, sometimes what someone asks for isn't what they actually need, and a character comes in like exhausted. They clearly fucking need to sleep, and they're like. Triple, quadruple espresso, just give me more caffeine, and they're like really stressed. It's like, I'm gonna make you a fucking sleepy time drink. Have it come on my head. Hey, hey, hey. Drink this, go the fuck to sleep, you'll thank me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that. It was nice when that started becoming more of a thing. But, uh, yeah, what about you? What else have you played? I, I know you played one other thing. I played one other thing. What was it? It was that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yeah, how how are you finding that? 
don't worry, I've saved your autosave to a manual save. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, you could always create yourself another PlayStation user and then just have your own save. Do you want me to make you a profile on the PS4? Sure, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how are, you, how are you getting on with it? I'm quite enjoying it. Um, like, it's... Aloy's an interesting character. Mm. I, it took me a little while to work out the movement for things like climbing walls. Yes. Initially, I was like, I just, I'm just gonna jump, jump at the wall, jump at, jump, jump at the wall. And at <laughs> no point did it go like, look for the yellow things. Okay. Yeah. It it does the thing that like uh, the Tomb Raider reboot does, where there's white paint along things, where it's like that's the thing you can climb up. Eventually, I got that that was a thing. Also, I didn't realize that you could just press in that direction most of the time rather yes. than having to jump with it as well. Indeed. Um. So for anyone who's not played it before. Open world adventure game in a matriarchal society. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you not get that? Yeah, I barely started. Uh, I, I, I think I played like three hours of it. So it's like Aloy is small and has found the uh, like augmented reality. Yeah. Did, thing. You know, there's that 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 cutscene right near the beginning where she's like. Where the, the, the dad's looking after her and the, the, the people are all like, no, you're being cast out, you're not part of the village. Uh, they they mention it's because she doesn't have a mother. Because yes. it's, a, it's a matriarchal society and... Oh! Yeah. I realize, I heard them say, like, she doesn't have a mother. I was like, I just thought they were being a company. No, no, like, the, <laughs> the, the point they were trying to get across there is... Um, it, it is a... I won't go too much into why it's a matriarchal society, but basically um, she, her mother died during childbirth and they're like, oh, you killed your mother in this matriarchal society? Fuck you, out you go. No, go. You are you are banished wow. for killing one of the mothers. That feels like that's right up there with the whole American thing of your, your child died during childbirth, therefore you're... you're that that counts as an abortion, and you're being arrested for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yes, that. Sorry, I I apologise if that was news to you that that's what was happening in that opening. I mean, scene. I'm kind of glum, so it's sometimes yeah. I have to be told the thing. But yeah, so she's she's gone and explored in the the ruins of the old world, and she went and explored. She got a, a cool thing. She grew up some, and yeah. and now I'm just randomly helping people who are having a bad time. Yeah, you're trying someone to someone I think has lost a kid. Someone's yeah. lost their sister. And you're like, hey, I'm gonna try and be nice and helpful, even though all of you fucking like. Cast me out of the village. I got some prayer beads for an old woman. Ah, uh, yes. I shot a lot of animal yeah. monster <laughs> things. So yeah, the, the, hunted the, a few more. For, for anyone who's not seen it, the game is set in a world where there are mechanical animals roaming around. Yeah, there's uh, like raptor things yeah. and horse things. And you have like a bow and arrow, but also like you can. You know, you can do. You can set up like traps to fight these animals later, and yeah, you can make like you can make traps, or you can you can do things like hacking them, and yeah, you, there's there's lots of very interesting combat stuff you can do. But I it's can, basically I can see their footprints. Oh yeah, you can track their footprints with your your, your 
tracky thing. It's way easier to do stealth sections when you can see where they're going to walk. I know, right? <laughs> here's the thing. I don't usually like stealth sections, but when I can see exactly where they're going to walk, fine, good, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, that, it certainly makes it more manageable. Yes. It's like, I know roughly how long it's going to yeah. take. I know exactly where they're going to walk. <laughs> I can see where the two bits of cover are quite yeah. at, easily. Like, Aloy's a really cool character, though. Seems to be. Um, yeah. Like, I've not had much chance to sort of... I mean, she's fierce. She's very independent, or wants yeah. to be. Um, as I've, I mean, I've only just got past like the bit where she's her, grown her up, childhood. Yeah. Um, she... So we just had childhood bit. The bit where her, her dad is it her dad? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Her dad's like, um, don't go down mm-hmm. there. It's just a toy that you're playing with. And she's like, I can see where they're gonna walk. I'm gonna go and get the guy. It's, yeah, it's, it's fine. I'll do the thing. <laughs> she's and and while she's jumping off the thing, he just grabs her bow and arrow for her. It's like, well, now you've disarmed her. You. I mean, she's she's fiercely like she's she's very much like fuck you. I'm gonna prove that I can do this. Is like her primary motivation. And she has her own moral compass, which yeah. I think is important. Exactly, and I. I, I like that once her uh, dad sort of realises, like, okay, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to stop you wanting to do this. Least I can do is train you properly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's a real it's a real cool game, that. And I yeah. hope that you enjoy playing more of it. I look forward to it. Heck. What about you? You played anything else? Um, I finished playing through uh, Death Stranding, Ooh. so I've seen the ending in context now. All of the ending? Uh, I've seen all of the ending in context. Um, that is—it's quite an ending. Isn't it? It's quite <laughs> it an end- forever. It, yeah, no, there's like three fake credit drops. Multi- yeah, yeah. At least there's three. multiple points where it's like, ah, now I'm like walking through the world to the credits. So, oh no, we're not done yet. Oh, there's some credit. Oh no, we're keeping going. But now we're here and doing some yeah. credits. <laughs> um, I will say I think that like some of the narrative beats at the end were quite emotionally resonant. I think there were there were some bits of the ending that I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, you earned that. You you worked for that. There were some bits that I I thought were well were well executed. Mm-hmm. There was also some nonsense, bonkers, batshit bananas, I don't know what the fuck's happening stuff. I mean, that sounds like Kojima. Yeah. That... Having finished this game, I'm looking at it being like, if you would condense this narrative down and you could have got it down to like 20, 25 hours, mm-hmm. um, I, I think this could have been a really cool game. I think it's... I think it really suffers from no one telling Kojima no. Mm-hmm. Or... No, no one being able to go like, can I just tone you back like five percent on scope? Um, there is some stuff in there I really enjoyed, but it felt like it was very padded out, and there was a lot of there was a lot of times where like, particularly those last couple of hours of cutscenes, it felt like there were a lot of moments where it's like you've just spent fifteen minutes telling me something that could have been a single sentence, mm. and I'm not saying it had to be a single sentence, but it definitely didn't need to be fifteen <laughs> minutes. Um, I I I thought the ending was sweet. I I I had I found fun in the game. It just took a while to get there, <laughs> and then there were big sections where I was not having fun for a while to get to more fun. Out of interest, sorry, because I've only seen videos of it. So when you're actually playing that ending, and there's all the stuff of just walking along the beach. Yes. Like, are you prompted with directions and no. stuff? No. So the. 
to being vague to not spoil this for anyone who's not played it there is a section near the end where you are walking on a beach to some credits and um you can walk whatever de- direction you want but there is only so far you can walk in any given direction before you are brought back to your starting location and there is a narrative reason for that but you cannot escape being on that section of beach and you are just sort of like hoping to the, trigger the cutscenes. Yes, the the intention I think is to go, is to make the player feel like this is the whole world now. I can't. I the I have to resign myself to the ending of this game is me just stranded on this beach. Ah, uh, stranding, hey. uh, stranded on this beach. Right. And this is where my narrative ends. And right. I think that's what they're trying to get at. They're like, no matter how you try and get away from it, your story ends here. Mm. Because, as I said, I've only watched the videos and it was lots of, like... I di- didn't really twig that it was taking you right back to the, the same place yes. you'd started. But there was, like... And they're walking along this part of the beach now and there appear to be, like... Almost as if somebody has, like, in frame by frame been running through the water and it's kicked mm-hmm. up spray. Yeah. It's yeah. like... Uh, I... was. Did you know where that was when you started walking in that direction? And I, I guess the answer is no, no, no. no. <laughs> that that ending is a lot. Yeah. Um, there, there's also like, I like the final ending they get to for, like the the final narrative bit of closure in that game, but they sort of imply that mechanically you're supposed to do something to trigger the ending. That you actually don't have to do. You have to just go do the objective, and then it will make the thing happen. Yeah, that that aside, I I thought the last little section that you get is quite emotionally resonant to play, even if not so much to watch. I mean, I had no connection with it. I was just like, "What do?" Yeah, I I I I get why people love it. I wouldn't say I love it. I think that there are some really neat, nice things in there, and it's going to be an interesting game to break apart for a few years to come to sort of think about but I think it has major flaws that are going to mean that for a lot of people it's just not right for them yeah uh what about you have you played anything else this Quickly week Quickly speaking about Kojima there are there are rumors of a sound hill yeah yeah there very much are <laughs> although I did like one article I saw someone sharing around on Facebook the other day of um <laughs> Kojima and Konami in talks for a uh, Death Stranding pachinko machine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that is everything I've played. Uh, The only other thing I've been playing is I've started playing on stream Ori and the Blind Forest. Oh, that forest. Uh, uh, So I've played little bits of this game out of context before. I've never, like, properly gone, I'm going to sit through and play through this start to finish and properly finish it up. Mm -hmm. Um... I in in my head I always thought that game was a fairly linear platformer. I didn't realize it was quite a difficult precise metroid-esque exploration game. Right. It's a lot of collect the the new traversal abilities, work your way through this big winding map, get a new ability and remember, okay, I can backtrack to here now and go this way. Mm. Um uh initially uh, initially the character's jumping is quite floaty. You can do very horizontally wide jumps, which is great for big jumps. It feels really fun. 
Uh, but for landing on very small, minute platforms, it's really fucking frustrating. Because it, it, there's very little ability to course correct backwards if you overshoot in the air. Um, once you get other abilities, like you get a double jump, you can use that to sort of slightly course correct, and it makes precision landing a lot easier. Mm. But um, uh, the game's not always great at explaining mechanics of what you need to do. Sometimes it'll just make a piece of the environment glow, and it's like... Do I interact with this? Do I have to make something else interact? It's not always clear what is interactable and how. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's a really beautiful game. And no matter how many times I'm dying, I want to keep going. Mm-hmm. They have a system where you can create your own checkpoints wherever you want. And that is great, being able to drop down a checkpoint right before something difficult and respawn right there and then. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that the checkpointing system is kind of like the ink ribbon system in some of the Resident Evil games, where you have a certain number of saves. Oh no! And the problem is, if you use up all your checkpoints and then go, oh, there's a there's another hard bit, and I don't have another checkpoint. You you, I imagine if I was replay if I knew this game inside and out on a repeat playthrough, I could much more smartly decide where to put my checkpoints and be like, I know this is one of the really difficult puzzles I actually need it for. Mm. But on a first playthrough, it's really easy to use up all your checkpoints and not realise there's something harder coming up that you need them for. Mm. But I don't want to fall into the opposite trap where I'm repeating a section of game over and over and over and over needlessly, because I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to use up my last checkpoint I've got in my bag. What if Mm. I need it for something else? Yeah, I I always hate that about Resident Evil, to be honest. I... Uh, I believe the sequel is just going with an auto-checkpointing system, which I honestly kind of prefer, as long as it's generous with where it places them, because, yeah, on a first playthrough, running out of checkpoints is not fun. Is it trying to do that whole, like, um, Dead Rising thing of, well, you make notes and you replay it and... and A little bit! Yeah. Uh, it, it feels a little bit almost like Shovel Knight, where you could destroy checkpoints if you didn't feel you needed them. And you wanted the extra cash. Yeah, it, it's that sort of like... You're having to gamble on whether or not you need a checkpoint here before you've seen what's past the checkpoint and um, how difficult it will be. It's, mm. it's one of those things where on a repeat playthrough, you'll know, I know what's coming up, I know whether I need a checkpoint here or not. Yeah. But the first time through, you have zero data to base that decision on, mm. which feels really bizarre to yeah. try and make you make a choice without knowing what you need to know to it make it. respect your time. No. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to stick through and I want to, you know, get through the whole game on stream over the next week or two. That'd be really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's everything I've played. Well, and oh, time for this. Time for this. Mm. Introducing a superhero for our time. Actually, I think that certain people don't deserve basic human rights. Stop right there! I've got facts and figures to debunk your nonsense. Fake, fake news, fake news! Let me cite you a peer-reviewed study. Peer-reviewed study's my one weakness! Oh no, now I will have to change my tiny worldview and 
Wow, I've actually got some of my family members back who left me for being a horrible person. Indeed. You know the fact you didn't vaccinate one of your two kids and that kid gets much sicker? Yeah, that. I mean, that's just a thing. Vaccines! <sighs> but, but what if I heard that vaccines do things that are not correct and are bad and are perhaps they are... I heard it from two guys who were smoking what smelled like an awful lot of weeds. <laughs> I mean... Maybe do some research on Andrew Wakefield and why he, his research was completely debunked by the scientific community. He had a vested interest in the thing being discredited. <gasps> Whomst would have thought such a thing? Thank you, the educator. Educator away. Right, everyone, everyone, file in, file in, take your seats, take your seats. Um, so, we, we've called this uh, press conference because we have discovered a brand new type of involuntary physical response from the body. You see, we have, um, you know, sneezing is an involuntary response, you know. Uh, we, we know if you hit, hit someone on the, on the knee with a little hammer, the, the leg goes up, it's mm. an involuntary response. So, we've discovered a new one. If someone tries to raise pseudoscience points, the... Uh, Region of the brain is forced to activate. Any questions? Yes, do you think this reaction is caused by vaccines? Uh... So, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, we put episode six of Picard into our eyes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, this is what, the, the first episode of the second half of the season? Yep. And... Oh, shit got real. Oh, shit got real. I, I really feel like the first half of this season was set up team building. Slowly, let's let, let's look at what the characters have been doing for the decades and build up our party and sort of plod along. And now it's gone, oh, this is the half where we have to resolve shit. Go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And it was a real fucking good episode. Yeah. Emotionally tense. Yes. Yep, uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, the plot f- felt like it moved a thousand times faster than any episode we've had so far this season. It really did, and I don't know quite what's going to happen next, because yeah. we, we, we've had some mention of new technologies not discussed before. Yeah. Or maybe it has been discussed before and I just didn't know, yeah. but I was like, hmm, that's that, a thing. Yeah. That all said, I don't th- feel like it was rushed. It managed to get a lot done without feeling like it was glossing over anything. No, and I think having had that set up from the first half of this series yeah. has helped it do that. It, it's, it's like, we're going full yeah. action movie now. It's it set up everything so that they can now go action, 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 action. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, this action point we set up a few episodes ago. This we set up a few episodes back. Mm. It feels like they've got all the exposition out the way early so that they can... <laughs> Yeah, get chugging along. I'll be interested to see how it goes, and I kind of am curious. I mean, obviously, depending on how they stick the rest of the, the landing for the rest of the series, kind of like the idea of just sitting down and marathoning it at some point. It does feel just seeing how that feels. It does feel like you could marathon this in a day and have like a really nice cohesive story out of it. Mm. Hooray! Uh, yeah. What about you? What have you put in your eyes this week? In my eyes. Your eyes. In my eyes. Well, I've watched a lot more DS Nine. Uh, we've both done that. We have. Yeah. How how are we getting on with DS9? Uh, I think we're about halfway through season three now. We've just had a whole thing of um, the 
the, the station going to be blowing up because yeah. of safety measures that left by the Kardashians? That was oddly hilarious episode. <laughs> it was just when Golden Cop was like, well, fuck you, bye, and then couldn't leave. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he tried to do his, like, walk away doing middle finger fuck you, and then he couldn't walk away, and he's like, oh, this is awkward. Oh, well, I'm stuck here on the exploding station as well. Well, I guess I'm going to have to eat my fucking words and help you. <laughs> Oops. Shaven <laughs> kisses Golden Cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. Um it's yeah, it's been nice. Uh we've we've seen a bit more Jake, who's yeah. growing up a bit. No Nog. I I honestly I think Jake is a much more manageable character without Nog around. I don't yeah. I don't even mind Jake that much. Jake's alright. Jake and Nog together are uh mm. Jake is like developing. He's you know he's getting more mature. Less. Here's a plot line about me looking at a pretty girl from a distance. Less of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that. But yeah, um, I'm continuing to enjoy DS9. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see more of it. Yeah, same. Um, and I guess we're about halfway through the whole series now. If we're at, Gosh, like halfway yeah. through season three, because I think it's only seven seasons. Yeah, we are. We're we're chugging through. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you? What have you got? Uh, I caught up to date on Haikyuu, that volleyball Ooh. anime I've been watching. Uh, there's only like seven seasons, uh, seven episodes of season four out, but uh, I episode seven of season four, the most recent one I've watched, was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it basically the, a lot of the cast had been separated for a while, and it's finally brought them back together from their various plot threads they've been doing, mm-hmm. and it's like. All these characters have changed and developed in various ways. How do they mesh back up together now? Yeah. Uh, Particularly one of the characters who is like, he's very good at organising the team, but he has terrible person uh, interperson skills. Mm -hmm. He used to be real fucking rude, and like his previous team were like, no, you're just really fucking rude to us. We don't want to play with you, even though you're amazing at the game. Fair. Uh, He'd gone and done like a Olympic national level training course, and then had to come back to his local team and was getting really frustrated mm. uh, because sort of the level of play wasn't quite the same and it was really interesting watching him and the team deal with, okay, how do we deal with this change in dynamic and mm. work through that healthily? Mesh. Yeah, how do we how do we get the team to mesh again? Mm. It, was, it was really interesting. Yeah. It was a fab episode. Mm-hmm. What about you? What are you putting in your eyes? Uh, we finished watching Love, Death and Robots. Yeah, yeah. I would like to watch more Love, Death and Robots. It continues to be really, really good. Yeah. Uh, what was that final one? Oh, the one about the art. The artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? A specific kind of blue, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the, um, the episode was like, called. Zeta Blue or something? Uh, Yeah, Zeta Blue or something. That was, I think... I think that was my favourite episode, uh, my favourite short film of the whole compilation. I think so. They definitely ended on a high. Like, the the art style was incredible. Yeah, it... I, I said it at the time while we were watching. It's very rare that... You have a piece of media about a, f- a fictional artist mm. and that I genuinely find their art and the motivations behind their art really fascinating. Yeah. Usually it comes off a bit pretentious when you try and create a fake artist and like, aha, here's how they got famous. But this yeah. was like, no, I I would be fascinated by this real world artist. I think the only other, like, in, in a series art where I've been like, yeah. oh, you're doing a thing and you've created an artist where I've gone... That is a stunning piece of art. Is the um, 
the Silent Hill comic books. Yeah. There's a story about a guy who, like, just draws horror stuff mm. and goes to Silent Hill and, like, Pyramid Head and the nurses are posing for him. <laughs> um, there is some stunning art in that particular yeah. one. This, this Zima Blue or whatever it was called, I, I, think, I think I can say enough of the premise to say it's about an artist who created all of these very beautiful artworks and started putting increasingly large squares of blue just right smack in the centre of an otherwise very detailed piece of art. And it's a story about finally this artist letting a reporter in to go like, hey, look, I I know I don't really talk about my art, but I want to explain what's been going on with my art. And... Who I am and where I came from. Who I am, what my background is, and how I want to sort of bring my art career to a close. It was a really beautiful thing. It really was. Yeah. I, I want to go back and rewatch that at some point. Mm-hmm. Now that now that I, I think I would happily sit down and watch the whole series again. Oh god, same. But like now that I know how that one in particular finishes, I'm like I want to rewatch it from the start. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also like to, yeah, I th- I just want more of that stuff because just those short stories they did so well. Yeah. I honestly I really love just well curated short films, mm-hmm. and. That whole collection was fantastic. They clearly had the budget to do some really adventurous, creative things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Have you got any others? Uh, I've got a couple of others to rattle through. Mm. Um, I caught up to date on My Hero Academia, which yeah. I've been watching the new season of. Um, I very much enjoyed some of the moral conundrums that season uh, brought up. There was a really, there was a really interesting episode quite early on in the season where th- there was a situation where they were trying to catch some very big criminal and bring down their operation, and they bump into them accidentally. But they have a child with them who is clearly very scared and like needs to be taken out of that situation. But it's like if we take this kid now, we're probably going to rumble the whole operation and not have another chance to take the big person down later and a lot of people are going to get injured as a result and trying to deal with the moral conundrum of how do we deal with the fact that right here and right now there is a child that needs protecting Mm. but taking them out of the situation right here and right now is probably going to hurt a lot more people in the the needs of the many the needs of the many versus needs of the few but but like put in a very personalised way yeah and Oh, it's been a real interesting season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious where it's going. Nice. And the only other thing I put in my eyes is I finally got round to reading the um, Murder on the Rockport Limited Yay! Adventure Zone graphic novel, which I've been it's been on my to do list for months and months like since we got it. Since we got it, and it, I just keep pushing it back. So I'm like, well, that's not as important as doing more work. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that their um, rendition of Angus MacDonald is fantastic. That is exactly yep. how I picture that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I continue to think they're doing a really good job with the, how they use the uh, the DM as a yes. character figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're sort of knowing slight tweaks based on like where the narrative eventually goes to add in little bits of foreshadowing has been really nice. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, they've had to do a bit of name changing here and there to get oh. out of the uh, official Wizards of the Coast stuff. Yeah, but I, I think that they've done a decent job of keeping the tone of it 
intact, mm-hmm. and I thought that Jenkins in particular was fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> and I still think that as like a bottle episode puzzle murder mystery mm-hmm. is one of my favourite murder mystery narratives I've seen done in a fantasy setting. It's such a cool little puzzle. Yeah. They have to solve to solve that murder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that continues to be fantastic. I want more of that I mean, ASAP. I feel like we're not far away from pet- pet- Petals to the Metal. Uh, that is the next one, and it's apparently not far away from releasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have heard that apparently they have done some tweaks to... Uh, that A pair of characters that got criticised in that campaign of the, uh, the podcast as being maybe a little bit bury your gaze. Um... There have been some tweaks made, apparently, to maybe address that better. I don't know exactly what they've done. The impression I get from the the interview I read was very much like, maybe not necessarily changing the immediate short-term outcomes for those characters, but making it clear that maybe it isn't as dire and forever as it initially was presented as. Okay. You know, that maybe there's a bit more... Don't don't worry, they're they're all right. We'll see them in a bit. Sort we have of temporarily thing. suspended the gaze. Yeah, rather we've than killing them. We've frozen the gaze in carbonite rather than burying them. Don't worry, we will reanimate them at some point. Yeah, they might have hibernation sickness. Or, It'll or, be okay. Yeah, so, something to that. I'm really curious exactly what they've done there because mm. they were good on the podcast about addressing like, okay, we recognise that was a thing that we did and we should be aware of. I'm curious how they've retconned that narrative wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's everything I've put in my eyes this week. Well then, time for this. Time for this. Laura, Laura, we've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? This week's sponsor is, well, do you do words? I do do words. You do word typey. Y- yes. You do word typey on the clickety clack to, to yeah. the pot on the internet. Uh, yes. Do you want to make work good? Um, yes. Do you do work bad? Um, so occasionally. Assistance with word good? I I mean, it would... I, there are times where I could do with a little bit of help to improve the quality of my writing. Do you need your writing in goodened? I... Um... Okay, sure. How about trying grammarish? Oh, oh, that one. Yeah, okay. It can help you find better words than the not good word. It can. It can help you find better words than the not good word. Like, imagine that you're in an office and you're trying to write a letter to your boss because you want a promotion. And you are worried that perhaps you and your boss speak two different languages. So you set the thing to the settings of understanding how they send all their emails. Like using their personal d- dictionary as a thing to communicate in us, and then you do that, send them a message in their own language I, using I, their shorthand and such. So, like, I, I, I feel like this is gonna basically just like follow rules of grammar to the letter, not paying attention to context, and just like every time suggest changing words to just the more complicated, needlessly pretentious version of the word. Is that about right? I mean, the. This sticker did come off, and the word thesaurus is underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Punctuation, though. I mean, it will tell me if I forgot a full stop at the end of a sentence, I suppose. Try grammarish! 
It's just enter the code QNPS107 and you can get the full version for up to 12% off. Make do word good better. Make do word good better. <laughs> Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi, hi, hi. How's uh, how's business, business treating you? Business, business, business. 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 Money. Business. Money. Yeah. So, so, a lot of our expense recently has been on, you know, paying people to make games for us. Yeah, I don't like I know, we, we have to we have to pay people to, like make a game yeah. and to not complain to the media about how terribly we treat them. I and thought we had NDAs for that. Oh yeah, 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 I know, but like we have to spend we have to spend money, you know, making sure that they're too busy and tired to realize that like they can't we can't actually stop them talking. What if we just gave them no time at all and then they just couldn't talk? Well, exactly, but I think I have a new solution that's going to solve all our problems. Sure, sure. I think we stop hiring people to make games. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So none of them paying people to, you know, make highly crafted, you know, AAA experiences. Our no games... outgoings at all. Exactly. Well, we got... there's going to be a small outgoing, but trust me, it's going to be much smaller. So what people are really buying from us at this point, I think, is our brands, not the actual, you know, content. Yeah. You know, we, we spent all this year making games that are of a degree of quality. And, you know, at the very least, every one of our series could could probably take a hit of one really bad game. So, here's what I uh, what I recommend. We find some cheap little indie games that are generally in the same sort of genre. So, for, like, yeah. Call of War, we find a, a first-person shooter indie game. Yeah, like, yeah, there's uh, all these online games coming up now, and, you know, some of these people are pretty talented. The artwork's pretty Indeed, impressive. It looks like it was made by us. Exactly, and they're also pretty poor because they're indies and no one's buying their stuff because it's not called Call of War. Right. So, so, we just buy their game on the cheap and stick our logo on it and make infinitely more money than they would have made. Electronic Actisoftworks Studio. Yes. Yeah, see, we gotta, we gotta have just enough, uh, you know, distance that when it's bad we can go, ah, sorry, you know, one of our, uh, subsidiary studios made that one, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's not up to our usual quality bar, but at that point they've bought it, so. Yeah, it's a double A game. Oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. You pay the full price. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You pay the full price. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way that we can keep games at 60 bucks now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you want to you want to go back up to the quality we were making before. You're gonna have to pay more. Yeah, four hundred bucks. Exactly. And at that point, then we go back to doing the same work we were doing, but we get more money. I like more money. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, <gasps> what a slithered into is? Uh, I put like three songs into my ears this week. Uh, do you want me to rattle through them? Rattle through. Uh, I listened to a track called Do It For Yourself, but it's the number four, and Y-R-S-E-L-F, Do It For Yourself, uh, by Human Petting Zoo. Uh, <laughs> pet, 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 pet. I'm being petted. You're being petted. I'm in the Human Petting Zoo, apparently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's a sort of cute, uh, kind of a femme vocal ukulele punk track okay um about how it doesn't matter what you do just like don't let your entire life be doing what you feel you need to do 
and you know letting capitalism dictate oh, I must do I must squeeze all the productivity out of myself that I can it's like no find find something that you like that that you can do for you and and enjoy doing it and don't don't stress about the fact that it isn't uh, contributing to the capitalist machine mm-hmm. you know it's healthy for your brain to do things that are do do it for yourself sometimes. Do it for yourself. You do. Because capitalism sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was a track called No Lover by Jetty Bones. Uh, it's another sort of femme, uh, femme vocal track. Uh, it, it, it's it sounds like very much a rock ta- track with sort of like very Paramore style guitar line, but with a I would almost describe it like a pop vocal track, like a much more, much less shouty, much more pop music, melodic singing over rock guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about, you know, not needing romance to get by and not, you know, uh, romance could often seem like a shortcut to supportive relationships, but those can come in many forms. Mm. You know, maybe you don't need romance, maybe you just need those friends that stick by you and are there for you in the rough times. and. Yeah. Maybe you need to be a supportive relationship to yourself and be introspective and, you know, be there to lift yourself back up. And, you know, there are lots of supportive relationships that can help you get by. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't necessarily need a lover for that. Uh, And the last one was a track called I Liked You Best by Remember Shorts. Uh, It's another sort of femme vocal punk track. Um best I can describe it it feels like on the the more energetic end of grunge um it's about the slow breakdown of a relationship um seeing and ignoring problems but like through the whole experience going yeah but I keep coming back to the fact that I like you best Mm. and sort of that cognitive dissonance that can be there of like I can see that these are problems and I can see we're not addressing them and I can see these things are happening I keep coming back to the fact I like you best. And what do I do about that? How do I resolve that? Yeah. It's an interesting little track. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the new things I listened to this week. What about you? Well, I've really only had time to listen to one thing. Yeah? Uh, something I've mentioned on the show before. The 1981 BBC audio drama of Lord of the Rings. You're a big fan of that. You come back to it every now and then. I do. Um, like, I think the last time I mentioned it, I'd found, like... A, a few bits of it and I'd been listening to, to those bits but I hadn't listened to the whole thing through mm. um, apparently the whole thing is just on the internet archive oh heck so I was like okay I'll grab that and have a listen the audio's not super high quality in places but yeah most of it considering I didn't have to pay for it most of what I've heard has been pretty decent quality oh, it has it, ha- it has made my heart do a big fluffy um, it's 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 weird listening to it like and and almost knowing it word for word like including cadences I know when the songs come in yeah I know which notes I can't hit still <laughs> um, and 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 just having that weird familiarity of like this was literally the soundtrack for to my youth for like from 1981 until probably till I moved out. So it's yeah, like there there were just moments where I was sitting there with my headphones on, um, like sitting on the on the on the step a few times, just like, ah, this feels 
Very comforting. Feels, feels like home. It does feel like home. Oh. Um. I'm I'm glad you have this to listen to. Um. Yeah. It was. It's. It's been really nice to go through it again. And sort of. I think. Being more adult and emotional now than I have been at any previous time of listening through it. Like getting more from it in that respect. Mm. Being like, oh my god, it's just sad. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was always something very striking about that very last line and the way that was delivered. Mm. Just like, whoa, that's, that's quite a lot. That's a, it is the end. The very <laughs> end. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's stunning. The Like, the voice is just the richness of quality of voices. Like, I don't know who they picked to, or, or like, how they picked uh, actors for that. Because I'm guessing they were actor-actors, because we've got Ian Holm and John Lemessure. Um, in there, mm. and I can't remember what the actor's name is who voices um, Gandalf, but I'm pretty sure that's the same person that did the old Paddington yes, animations. Yeah. Like, this, it's just pretty fancy mm. and incredible. Yeah, um, I really enjoy it, and we'll probably listen to it again soon now that I have it saved on my Yay. phone. Uh, but uh, yeah. I would definitely recommend it to anyone, especially now it's really easy to find. Yeah, you've got any others? No, that's it really for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Tired of going out to scream into the void? Yes. It can be a pain. And that's why we're introducing My Little Emptiness. My Little Emptiness is the personal screaming void for home use. My Little Emptiness. The convenient despair receptacle. Plus now, if you stare into it, it might wink back. Morning, make a on elbow Hey there, friend! Hey! Do you have trouble with your oblique alarm? Occasionally, yeah. Have you been finding recently that every time we talk about what's going on in the world, on the news, on the state of things like climate change, your bleak alarm just blows up? This is too much bleakness for it to handle. Come on down to Lehman's Heavy Duty Bleak Alarms. We got the heaviest duty bleak alarms. You could talk about Trump, climate change, the destruction of all the great coral reefs. Why and not? these bleak alarms will keep going and going and going. Even if I talk about Brexit on top of all of that. You could talk about Brexit and the entire destabilization of the whole world. What's going to kill you first, a pandemic or climate change? These bleak alarms can hold up to the worst of conversations. Lehman's heavy duty bleak alarms. They're heavy duty. <laughs> See how it keeps going. <laughs> questions, Sam. Let's have a questions. What's the questions? What's the questions? What's the questions? Well, they are inquiries given to us by our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first question comes from uh, Drop. Hi, Drop. Hi, Drop. Uh, what's your best memory ever? Oh, oh, oh. Always a difficult question. Do you have an answer for this one? Uh... Probably you proposing to me in the grass in the park. Oh, when we were all very, very floofy, very floofy, very floofy. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, see, I feel bad that my first instinct <laughs> wasn't a you-related answer. That's fine. It doesn't have to be. I know it doesn't have to be, but it's it. There's the the, the, the thing there where I'm like, oh, now I feel bad. No, my, my my default answer to this is always 
Gerard Way going, hey, do you want to come up and play a tambourine on stage? I mean, yeah. Like, that's totally understandable. It it was a fucking, To be honest, you only get that thing because I haven't been called up on stage by Gerard Way to play the tambourine. That's fair. (laughs) Specifically, it's the bit where I'm in the, the... I'm in the crowd. I'm right near the front. And he walks over and goes, you, and points at me. And I, it, it's specifically me pointing to myself, and he goes, yes, you. And I'm like, ah, who's happening? Ah. All, all I could think, to, like, the only sound my body would have made in that moment was, ah. Aww. But, like, with a big smile on my face. It does, it's not a happy sound, but my face was like, <laughs> me, Yostad. Me, you are the chosen one. I have been chosen. You have been chosen to play Jared Way. It, it was. It, it is a moment that, like, I, I, I still get really giddy about it years later. Going, hey, that fucking happened. Yeah, which is why I'm still confused why MCR didn't request their tambourinist back. Well, you know, who knows what'll happen when they're back in the UK this year. I love, I love the idea that you go to one of those gigs. It's like it, you. See, maybe you, my tambourine player. We've been trying to contact you. Come. See, if my hair color was still the same, maybe that would be a thing. <laughs> Might still recognize you. <laughs> Uh, it's in the eyes. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I completely lost the question. Right. That was very sweet. <laughs> uh, Lucy asks, "What? Who is your favourite supervillain?" Ooh, supervillain. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, oh, I do have an answer for this. Um, Kingsman Two, the Golden Circle. Have you seen this one? Yeah, so it's this woman called Poppy whose whole motivation, and she's doing it completely like the wrong way. She's kidnapping. She's basically holding a bunch of uh, people hostage in order to to get this to happen. But her aim is to decriminalize uh, drugs. Is to just make drugs decriminalized, and. She goes about this, you know, in a morally dubious way by basically infecting the supply of drugs in such a way that she can be like, hey, look, I'm I'm going to kill everyone who has taken these drugs unless you, you know, decriminal- you decriminalise drugs. And doing thing. it in such a way that it's like, hey, we are your friends and your family. We yeah, are your like, Congress people. Yeah, that's, that's the... Here's the thing. She, she does, like an evil thing by putting, you know, thousands and thousands of people's lives on the line, but, like, she does it to make this point of, look, everyone, you know people who are functional members of society, who get things done, who are lovely people, who are morally good people, who... Just do this one thing. Who you are risking, you know, risking ruining their lives because, you know they could go away forever because they got caught with a little bit of drugs. Mm. Just make make drugs legal, you know, decriminalise drugs, and everyone will be fine. And yep. if you, you know, you choose not to do that, you think that it's more important to keep drugs criminalised at the expense of killing everyone, go ahead, President. Yeah, the American response to that is real fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the President... 
being very willing to go, nah, fuck them. They're all drug users. They're 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 criminals. They're I mean, bad that people. They should like the sort of thing. Yeah. Say Mike Pence would do. Yeah, but like, I I I don't. Obviously, I don't agree with all of her methodology. But I think that what she's aiming for is just trying to write, trying to do something that I think should be a thing, mm. which is decriminalizing of you know, personal drug use and not, you know, locking people away for life because they smoked a bit of weed or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have an answer for this? I mean, that one now. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a good answer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good one. Uh, um, uh, Kellogy asks, your, your favourite Magic the Gathering plane? I guess you only know one, Theros. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ther- Theros! <laughs> that is a, that is an educated choice I've made knowing lots of planes and not just the one I know. Uh, mine's Mirrodin. Uh, I... Oh, it's no Theros, though. It isn't indeed. Indeed, it is not it, a Theros. It, it, it isn't Theros. It's not. It's a different one. <laughs> it's a different one. Um, it's, it's all metal and weird biomechanical stuff. Yes. And it's really fucking cool. Yeah, there's no Theros there. <laughs> it, it's, I think it's like the block I played most of back in the day, like yeah. original Mirrodin. Um, uh, I can't remember. Well, yeah. I know one of them. You do? Yeah, I know about Theros. Yeah, you do. There's nightmares and stuff. Kind of. Yeah, there's like the Nightmare Shepherd. Yeah, there's a nightmare thing. And Ashok does nightmare things. Yeah! They were in a trailer for Theros, and they did nightmares. Yeah, they did. And there was the the ghosts walking through the ghost wall. Yeah. Yeah, Return, I know about returning. Magic the Gathering. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to twitch.tv slash Janiac and, and, and watch me and Kelladry go through Magic the Gathering cards. And occasionally I'll go, I know a magic thing. <laughs> she, she's definitely the brains behind that particular... <laughs> Um, set set of recordings. We 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 we've only got one color of magic left to do. Ooh. We're doing black glass because it's my very red color. Oh yeah! And then we're gonna do multicolors and we're gonna go laugh at my my decks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tricky asks, uh, "What is a really good cookie you've had?" Oh, oh, really good cookie. Really good cookie. Oh, I had one once that was a dark chocolate and cinnamon cookie. That is a surprisingly good combination. I'm not surprised that that would be a surprisingly good combination. No, it's, it's a combination I see very rarely, but dark chocolate and cinnamon. And it was like, it was little, it was warm, little crispy on the outside, but soft in the centre. Nice. It was a real good cookie. Heck. What about you? Um, I mean, just peanut butter heroin count? I think that my, counts. My, my own cookies? I think um, that counts. You make a very good peanut butter cookie with... Maple syrup and oats and mm-hmm. whatnot. Maple syrup and oats and peanut butter and and like Vitalite and sugar and, and lots and lots of sugar and then like um, dark chocolate chunks on top of it. Oh. Uh, although um, like Becky did really nice um, like thumbprint cookies recently. Oh yeah. With like the the all the the strawberry high strawberry with all the strawberry jam and yeah. stuff. It was very good. It was well, very good. Nom, 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 nom. Om nom 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 nom. Mm-hmm. I might have to make some of those myself. We'll have to get jam though. Um, speaking of 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 our other beloved. Oh hey Becky. Hey Becky. Uh, asks uh, describe uh, your card if you were in a TCG. Oh oh um, 
I feel like if I was in a TCG, I my my card game mechanic would be something to do with collecting other people's best creatures. I feel like it'd be the shiny hunter related cards. It'd be like, okay, well, uh, once per turn, I can take one of your cards from your side of the field if it's a foil card mm-hmm. or if it's got like uh, you know some shiny artwork on it. I could be like, that was shiny. It's mine, and I bring it over to my side of the field. Nice. Be a little shiny hunter card. I feel like it'd be a two-two legendary. Uh, two, sorry, a two-two for like three. I'm not sure what colours yet. Probably red, blue, and black. I guess. Yeah. Maybe green. Maybe it'd be one of each. <laughs> I'd be a perfect commander. Yeah. Um, like legend, legendary dom creature with looming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for uh. Every, any creature that has less power or toughness than me, uh, once per turn, I can tap myself, um, claim that over to my uh, my <laughs> side of the board. Uh, that becomes my thrall and stays on my side of the board as an owned creature. Yeah. I have permanent control of it until I leave the field, and I get plus one, plus one for each creature under my control in this manner. That's amazing. <laughs> 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 I think that's worth five mana for a two-two. I, I think so. I think that's justified. <laughs> Looming mechanic for the Ikoria block. <laughs> um, Shane asks, if you were an Animal Crossing NPC, what would your animal personality and house be? Be a duck or a bunny rabbit. Aww. And... But, but like, my, my theming would be I'd be dressed in, like, you know, punk biker gear. Uh, my house? Oh, video game den, just video game screens everywhere and comfy chairs and beds. Would you have that bed thing that is basically a toilet away from never leaving? <laughs> I probably would. That said, I've seen I've seen people laughing at that bed. I will say there's been a lot of people discussing the fact that it's a really cool thing for uh, people with accessibility needs. Yeah, Being definitely. able to station that many things around a bed is real cool. I'll, um, I think... If it's people needing it for accessibility reasons, that's absolutely cool and groovy. If it's people opting for if, it because... If it's people who never want to leave their computer at any point because... Eh. Yeah, it's it's a little... It feels like two very different use cases. Yeah. And and maybe that's the thing. I What if, what if like, we're going to find out that actually this bed was originally designed... For people with limited mobility. Honestly, I keep looking at the design and going, did you just paint an accessibility-related uh, bed black and with like little green accents? Because you might well have done that. <laughs> honestly, the, it feels like half the time this is the thing. It's like, ah, cool new thing that everyone is talking... Uh, uh, would, would this have applica- disability accessibility applications? Yeah, that's probably where it came from. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could put like um, like the Switch... can. Uh, the red buttony controller thing. The is it Microsoft? Yeah, the um, accessibility controller. The accessibility controller with like you could put bits around the bed, oh. so you could just be sort of like and do the things from whatever you have mobility yeah. on. To hit that... buttons and drip switches and yeah, maybe pilot things with foot. It would be cool. It would be very cool. I'm still slightly horrified about that bed. Imagine, imagine the crumbs. I mean, yeah, game you, of I... snacks plus lying in bed. Oh. Yeah, don't. Don't eat, don't eat Dorito, cheesy Doritos in bed. Mm. That's a bad, bad idea. 
Maybe I should get one if I get back into more sex work stuff. <laughs> I can I can stream me playing video games while naked and in bed and trying to do sexy. I mean, honestly, that was the topic of our most recent Pixel Square, and ah. there, there is definitely a genre for that. Here, here, there was a video we watched on Pixel Squirt last night that was just here is a dom who has tied a man down to a bed and just sat on his face while she plays Diablo. And it's like every now and then I'll just shove your face up, but like I'm playing Diablo, you can, you can do what you want down there. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'll make that a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon tier. <laughs> I don't think Patreon would approve of that. You'd be surprised how much sex stuff there is on Patreon. There, are, there is a lot of really nice furry art on, on Patreon. Um, Future Fishy asks, uh, if Nintendo were going to make a Mario game in a genre they haven't before, what would it? Uh, what would you want it to be? Survival horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Mario Souls. Oh, okay. Give Give me like uh, your your various different power ups are um, equipment loadouts. Mm-hmm. And you've you've got very difficult boss fights with like each of the Koopalings. You gotta do grueling levels to get there. Mm. With limited saves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, but like how much stamina is jumping on someone's head gonna and bum bouncing gonna take? I don't know, that's for Nintendo to work out. I guess so. Mm. I am very ready for that. Uh a, a little Wookiee as a treat. <laughs> Uh, asks which Animal Crossing vi- a villager do you want most and least in uh, to visit your island? Uh, let me find the what the new one that I want. Oh, okay. She's got one planned. I don't know anything about um, Animal Crossing, so I guess I would like to see a kitty if there is a kitty. Ah, uh, let let me find. Let me find <gasps> that kitty. That kitty's adorable uh, with the what, purple. The, the blue one. Is it blue or purple? Uh, it's adorable. What this one? That one. That's yeah. adorable. Give me, give me two seconds. I will find. Oh, I want. I want. That's pic- a lot of creatures. Yeah, I want pictures. Give me, give me pictures. Apparently, the new game has three hundred and eighty-three villagers. That's a lot of villagers. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can find. Uh, here we go. We have, we have pictures and names. I oh, hear the um, guitar playing dogs. All right. Oh, guitar playing dog, yeah. Ooh, uh, kitties. Yeah, kitties. Any of these kitties catch your catch your eyes? Uh, I mean, Rosie looks happy. Yeah, Rosie's lovely. Rosie's great. Cow friends. Cow friends. Aww, that's a very happy cow, isn't I it? I like both Patty and Tipper. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked Cherry, who is the sort of uh, dog with the the sort of goth dress, sort of red and black dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? The mouse are how hamster friends? The hamsters, yeah. I um, I'm still trying to find where is. Oh, there's the Mises. mice. There's the Mises. I like bro- broccolo. Mhm, mhm, mhm. I like brie. Where's, where's my little dragon-looking one that I keep seeing in the trailers? What's what's your name? <gasps> bunnies. Yeah, look at those bunnies. I like Chrissy. I like Chrissy. Chrissy's uh, and good. bunny. Francine, I like. And Cole. Yeah, there's lots of good bunnies. Oh, Genji looks sad. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <gasps> Squizzles! <laughs> I like Blair. Hey, are you now seeing the, the, the joy of, oh my god, I want all these people to live in my town? Maybe. Okay, I cannot find the name, but there is a new there is a new one that's been shown off in the direct that's like a little sort of red 
dragony headed thing that sort of uh, wears punk clothes and has a little horn on the front of its face mm-hmm. and it looks real cool. Oh yeah. I do not know their name but I will fall in love with them soon. This one is this punk dragon thing. With a net. With a net. <gasps> sheepy! Yeah look at the sheepy! I like sheepy. Yeah do we have any other questions? Uh, Wood asks, uh, what do you consider the best ending in a piece of media uh, ever? Ooh, best best ending. Is it Mass Effect 3? (laughs) I wouldn't say best. I like its (laughs) ending, but I think there are better. Um, I mean, if we're just going media in general, I think you struggle to go much worse than, or or much better than uh, The Good Place. I was going to say, The Good Place's ending is a really good Contender. They stuck the shit out of that landing. They stuck the shit out of that landing. Um, similarly, I wouldn't say the show is as consistent to get there, but I think that the ending of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is similarly superb for where it like puts that character. Mm-hmm. And the, the sort of earned feeling of development and closure that mm. it has. Um... Honestly, I struggle to think of anything that ends as well as either of those. No, I can't think of anything. Those those are two relatively recent ones I think have pretty perfect endings for their mm. pieces of, of narrative. Uh, Bethany Turner, check out Elon's World. It's good. Uh, Bethany Turner asks, uh, who's your favourite Transformer besides Soundwave? Ooh. Okay, my answer to this is really silly. It's the one that turns into a traffic light at the end of that animated series ah. that never got any more episodes and there's just a very dramatic, like, yeah, the zoom in on a traffic light. It's like oh, that traffic light was a transformer, and they never do anything with it. And I, I kind of fucking love that. It's weird because I've only seen like that bit of it. I don't know what the lead up is. That there, there really is no lead up. Like they, it seems like they were going to build into something else, and they never did. So it's just dramatic zoom on a traffic light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're better equipped to answer this question. Uh, I mean, it probably sounds really dull, but I like Optimus. I I like all the ones with the sort of face masky, masky faces. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're talking toys, I really like the design of uh, Cybertronian Soundwave. Hmm. Looks kind of like a uh, looks kind of like a Colonial Viper from Battlestar Galactica. Okay. I love that design. It's very cool. Yeah. Slightly funky, triangular. Yeah, I like. I loved a lot of the Cybertronian designs. I like the the Shockwave Cybertronian model that they did from like the first scene season of or first series of uh, Siege stuff. Hmm, that looks really cool. But I can't justify the cost. That's a big mood. I uh, really like the Ultra Magnus that you got me from my boyfty. Yay! It's awesome. Hey. I play with that one a lot. Also, Mini Ultra Magnus. I don't know what you call if it's got a different name when it's just the white thing. Rather than, like, the big red, white, and blue thing. ultra mini I, I don't know. I'm sure Bethany will probably be able to tell me. Um, I like that because, again, it's got the sort of face masky face. And it's kind of chunky. Um, Louis von Pierce asks, uh, What fantasy or sci-fi species would you want to be Cicalia? Uh, um... <laughs> 
I added the Sicalium. Okay. Got, sorry, can you repeat the question? I got confused for a second. What sci- fantasy or sci-fi species do you want to be? Sorry, I, I, I thought the question was which fi- <laughs> fantasy species would I like to turn into a Sicalia? I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Any of them would then be a Sicalia. Um, uh, that, that or like... Oh. Tieflings are pretty rad. Are I, pretty I could rad. be a pretty rad tiefling, I think. Um, I'm sure I've seen some anime of some description that I had, like, the sort of loomy, scary figure that also has lots of tentacles coming out of their back. <laughs> like, not a fin anime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like the idea of having lots of tentacles. Either they be infinite coming out of me and then at my will tentacles... Or just walking slash swimming around in a cool Sicalia type manner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tentacles, please. Tentacles. Tentacles, please. That is all the questions. <gasps> well then. Time for the Yes. Yes. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochal justice warriors. Social justice warriors. Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Larry. How you doing? Oh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, are you? Oh, I'm all right, all right. I've just, you know, been uh, keeping on, keeping on yourself. Well, you know, much the same, much the same. You know, I've uh, had a bit of a, a bit of a tickly cough, but uh, oh, same, you know, same. can't be seen to be taking time off work, no, can you? Uh? Well, yeah, 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 exactly. It's, uh, it's it's one of those things that you know it's always been a problem, but you see that it's more of a problem, you know, more so when issues like what we're currently having going on happen. Uh, yeah, we've got bits of. Uh, pandemic scare going on at the moment yeah you got one of them infectious diseases going around that is very easily communicable and uh yeah. I, I think it sort of brings to light that whole fact that uh, you can't really stop the spread of communicable diseases in a world where people are afraid not to go to work yeah you know especially if you happen to work somewhere where they have like a, a, a sickness policy of you're only allowed so many sick days per year or so many bouts of sickness per year yeah particularly let's say if you work for a slightly uh, racist pub organization in the UK perhaps that explicitly was like oh you're going to get quarantined for two weeks yeah, that's going to be unauthorised absence. You're going to be fired if you're put in a mandatory quarantine. Yeah, no, I suppose what's the alternative? I, I come to work and kill all of our customers. Well, that's it. Well, you know, they, you know, the bosses don't care because, uh, you know, we wanted you in work today. Doesn't matter that you might, you know, cough on a, a roast dinner and now a dozen people are ill as well. I mean, it feels very much like a, a, the short-sightedness of capitalism as a whole, really. Well, exactly. But it's like, you know, it's... Uh, on top of that, you've got America's got the problem of, I'm afraid to go and see a doctor if I think I might be ill, you know, with this communicative yeah. infectious disease. Because even if I don't have it, I'm going to rack up hundreds and hundreds of dollars in debt finding out whether I've got it or not. And if I do have it, probably not going to be... What if it's not covered by my insurance? That could be thousands down the drain while I spend two weeks in hospital. Well, I think, you know, this is another fine example of why we need universal healthcare. Exactly. And, like, you know, this needs to apply, you know, beyond uh, beyond work. It needs to apply to schools as well, you know. You need to not be afraid to say... My child is ill, they can't come in, and then ha- not get punished for being physically ill. But what about their 100% uh, 
attendance record, which is also something that should probably be addressed in one of these conversations at some point. Yeah, we'll get to that another one, because that is a whole thing that needs to be done away with. But, uh, yeah, we need to to have a world where people who are ill can just have time and space to recover without having to face negative consequences in their life for, you know, recovering and preventing other people getting ill unnecessarily. Yeah, you know, we've, we're in a society where it's like you can't take time off work and if you do take time off work, you know, you, you're potentially not going to be looked after. You might not even have a, a job to come back to and then people are just going to start dying. Yeah, and you're surprised why people, you know, come to work ill and spread disease. Well, exactly, you know, it's something I've been saying for years. You work in, like, an office or something and there is, like, a, a harsh uh, penalty for anyone who takes too much time off sick. That is, you know, quite concerning because all of a sudden that what one person who has had a bit of a sniffle now it's gone around the entire building yeah. and overall productivity as a whole has dropped so maybe think about that rather than being so very very short-sighted about just this well, let's focus on what that we haven't made the money right this second yeah and people who feel like they are being treated better generally work better yeah yeah oh, you're up for a hug mate oh you really do with one ah <sighs> When will they realise that money isn't everything? Yeah. Ah, good admin. Good admin. Yeah. yeah, put the kettle on. Yeah, have a cup of tea. Yeah. Nice. So Laura, yes. Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K Buzz in all of the places. In all of the places. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find everything I post on laurakbuzz.com, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, and podcasts. Uh, you can find me streaming on Twitch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, starting at 10 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Eastern, and 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, as of when we're recording this, I'm streaming through Ori and the Blind Forest until we complete it. Not sure what's going to be after that. Possibly near Automata, I feel like, maybe. Near Automata? Near Automata, perhaps. Um... Other than that, you can find me in books. I've got Uncomfortable Labels. It's out now. It's a book about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. You can find it where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is an illustrated coffee table book of uh, silly and serious video game character butt reviews that involves a bunch of guest critics and developers that made words for it. Uh, I'm also on some podcasts. I'm on... Pixel Squirt, which is a podcast where I talk about video game pornography, and Podquisition, where I tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect, and I'm on Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. They're all self-contained stories. I recommend season three. I don't uh, <laughs> as as a I I don't show up until like eight or nine episodes in, but like. It's my favourite one, and it seems to be a fan favourite, and it's a pretty good one to jump in on. I feel like they sort of settled into what um, Dice Funk becomes. Yeah, it's it's the one that I think is most representative of the seasons that follow it. Yeah. Um, 
And Not it's like, that you shouldn't go back and listen to season one because Anne is hilarious. Seasons one and two are fantastic, <laughs> but they're... I would say that like season three is the most listener-friendly one to jump into as a first season, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but Jane... Meme. Yeah, where are you on the internet? I'm Maniac Janiac on Twitter and YouTube, and most other places you can either look for Janiac, that's J-A-N-E-I-A-C, or Stoned Monkey Radio, sometimes both. Um, Jane Eris Magnet on SoundCloud, where you might be listening to this now. And soon you will be listening to Polyarmory, because I think we're almost ready to launch the damn thing. Woo! <laughs> um, I'm also on uh, Patreon. If you can support me for as little as a dollar a month, I would super appreciate that. And I super appreciate my my already existing supporters, including Pat 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 Nut. Jaden, Cassiopeia Swift, Omegon the Same, Tallulah, Callum Turner, S. Kearney, J. Logan, Larry Yelling NB, Tales of Inquiry, Constantine Cooney, Robin, Kellerdry, Goodell, uh, vegan recipes have too much preamble. Jürgen and he wants to wine week further. And Basin is back. Thank you very much to all of you. I super appreciate you. Um, and if you want to buy some random weird shit that I designed, head on over to Redbubble and look for Stone Funky Radio or uh, Janiac. And you can get yourself a Spookake t-shirt or a butt plug soup bath mat or something like that. Uh, so Laura, yeah, will you sing us out, my darling? Until next time, be a stranger. Mm-hmm.